Welcome to the Outbounds Podcast. John Luck, Mary Evers, Corey Kleiman with you. And I think this is maybe the first or second time we're doing this. We are leading off with the Boston Bruins. Crazy. Uh, they're starting to cool off after a hot start. We know how they started the season. It seemed like they couldn't be stopped by any of their opponents. Then after they get back from Tahoe, they go 2-2-1, two, two, and one, yeah. uh, most recently losing to the Washington Capitals, 2-1 to one in a shootout. Uh, so, Mary, let's start off with you as our hockey expert, I guess we'll call you. I mean, the only one that actually knows Novice. hockey. I mean, um, this is this is kind of like, you know, par for the course for any Bruins team. Like, this happens every single year. They start out hot and then end up yeah, going through the playoffs. The, the, the problem is, like, with a shortened season, it's like, how long can we give them before it, it starts to be, you guys really need to start winning these games again? Not and not to say that they're playing badly. I mean, those the two games that they they dropped um, in New York were were tough losses. But the, the Capitals game, you know, there were, some ba- there were some glaring mistakes, and they weren't playing as fast as they could. But, you know, it, it looked good having um, Krejci and Grizzlick back, and they did play really hard and they played very physical, which is not something that the Bruins have been doing in the last couple of years. Like obviously they've, they've had char in the past and he was always a very physical player and, you know, love him or hate him. Brad Martian's always been a very physical player, but it seemed to me last night that one of the themes was that this entire team is becoming physical. And that's kind of a, a, a really good sign for them. I think. So I, I, well, go ahead, John. No, I was, I was just going to say this, the fact that the one thing that sticks out to me is the fact that they haven't really had a stretch where they play a lot of games. They had that mm-hmm. one week when they played the Devils in that one game. Yeah. But you look at the rest of the schedule, what's coming up here. They The Bruins have 15 games in March, I including know. the uh, game last night against the Capitals, 17 games in April, and five games in eight days coming up in May. So to me, I think mm-hmm. the... Uh, big thing is for Bruce Cassidy how does he manage the minutes because to me I think there are going to be games where you have to strongly consider sitting one of your top guys be it a Martian a Bergeron yeah. a Krejci a Pasternak even or maybe he'll get injured you know mm-hmm. who knows you don't wish injuries but that's something you plan for in the NHL right and it's just such a log jam right now that you know it's kind of like what the Celtics are going through right now we'll get to that in a little bit but the Bruins right now are in third place in their division the top four teams in the division make it so Washington leads with 30 points, Islanders with 28 points, Bruins with 27 points, mm-hmm. the Philadelphia Flyers in fourth with 25 points tied with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So there's just such a log jam right now yeah. that we're worried about what the Bruins are doing, but the Islanders, the Flyers, the Penguins, and the Rangers are starting to improve as well that, right. you know, it's just kind of all starting to blend in a little bit. So maybe the Bruins um, downside is kind of blending in with the rest of the teams in their division. Well, and so like the same thing with, like you got to look at like next couple months coming up, <clears throat> you know, this is a younger team that seems to jump at the occasion. I mean, they have the oldest staff on there as well, but they like to play in the big games. I think that's the difference between this and like maybe other Bruins teams because we've seen them struggle in the playoffs and last year they were okay. You know what I mean? But like you've seen it in the past, this seems like when they went to Tahoe, they went out there and they played their asses off because it was cool, new environment, ready to go. And what do we have coming up in a couple of weeks? They're finally going to get fans in the in the garden. It's going to be nice. I think they have a pretty good stretch at home, don't they? Coming up in March or early April, I think. I think the the end of March, I believe, yeah. Right. So that's going to be good. That's going to give them that little kickstart, I think. And to mm-hmm. finally actually hear fans cheering. Grant, it's not going to be too, too many. 
because of the restrictions, but they can pump in some music as well. But just having that, I think that's going to give them a little bit of a bump, something they haven't had in almost two years. And I think you saw that coming off of the Tahoe game out there, you know, against Philadelphia. They had that little that little lull. I think this is going to kind of wake them back up and get them ready for the playoffs. So there is an eight-game homestand coming up at the end of the month, right. like you talked about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's against teams that are pretty well in there with the Bruins. You have a right. home and home with the uh, Flyers coming up in the first week of uh, April. A very important two-game set against the Islanders in the last full week of March. So, to me, I think this is this is going to be an interesting playoff push for the Boston Bruins. And I think the entire NHL, because as I mentioned, um, you know, there's such a logjam in the divisions. But don't forget, the Bruins only play the same, what, six or seven teams. So right. it's going to be interesting to watch how the rosters kind of shape out and lines start to shape out, especially when we get into the playoffs and you start having those interdivision matchups. That's going to be interesting to me. But right now, it's all about Bruce Cassidy trying to prolong this team. Right. And I think one player that stuck out after last night, if you checked out social media, was Trent Frederick, who almost yeah. went uh, nose-to-nose with Alexander Ovechkin and then Tom yeah. Wilson. We could see this all over again on Friday night. You never know. That could be fight night on Friday on uh, Causeway mm-hmm. Street. But Good. what are some of the things that stick out to you with Trent Frederick? Because he's starting to grow into one of these players that could be an interesting bargaining chip once you get uh, close to the trade deadline. I think I think Trent with the thing with Trent Frederick is he's been trying for the last couple of seasons to get himself a spot on the Bruins and they keep calling him up from Providence. You know, they 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 have been calling him up for Providence, you know, every once in a while, but he never really stuck around for very long. And the way things are shaping up this year, he has more of an opportunity to really per present himself in a way that makes Bruce Cassidy realize that there he, there's a spot for him on the team. The fact that he's willing to go up against the likes of Alex Ovechkin and Tom Wilson. Now, meanwhile, these guys are big names and they're like, I don't know who this kid is. Why does he keep trying to fight me? But, you know, he's, he's making a stand for himself and showing I can be that physical, physical presence on the ice that this team desperately needs. And I think Bruce Cassidy is recognizing that and will reward it in the future. Now, I don't know if he's going to always be, you know, most, the most offensively productive forward on the team, but having that, having that presence is kind of a big deal. So I, you know, I, I like Trent Frederick. I, you know, I know you, you were saying like, maybe he'll be a trade piece. I think that, if they end up trading someone more along the lines of a DeBrusque, having someone like Trent Frederick around is going to be a big deal for them because they're going to need someone to have a good presence in the lineup. So Bruce Cassidy talked, I think it was after last night's game, about Trent Frederick and the physicality that he had. I think this could go along with some of the other players like you talked about earlier. Is there a very fine line with some of these players when you're playing physical, but then you're also hurting your team? Right, Because, I mean, let's be honest, the Bruins can go through stretches where they aren't the most disciplined team on the ice and it can cost them. And, you know, when you're facing off or when you're in a tight division like they are right now, you need every opportunity that you have given to you because this team can't score five on five. Power play is eh, pretty good. So to me, I think it's one of the best in the league. Well, I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not a hockey guy, so I'm going to trust you well, on that one. Okay, so there. I think there's at this point second best uh, power play production, and they're the first best power play kill team in the league. Okay, see, there's still something to strive for. The first team in power play scoring, 
Yeah, no, the, okay, no. The first team in power play killing. Jesus Christ, are you even listening to me? You don't know hockey, do you? Plus, I don't listen. All right, fair. All right. Should we, should we move? This is pretty much what hockey does on Out of Bounds. So a couple oh, more topics God. here. Uh, Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic came out and uh, quoted a source on a potential trade for Jack Eichel from the Buffalo Sabres. And I think this one was pretty interesting. Yeah. Because according to a source, they said, quote, I think you're looking at McAvoy and Frederick probably mm -hmm. minimum. Nope. So mm -hmm. is this a deal you would no. pull the trigger on at Absolutely this point not. in the season? I mean, McAvoy's having the best season of his career right now. And with all the injuries on the defense, giving up McAvoy would be like one of the dumbest things the leadership and the Bruins could possibly do. I mean, granted, he's still a young player and, he, and you know, we don't know if we've hit a ceiling with him yet, but after you lose Zidane Chara and Tori Krug this past offseason, everyone's putting their their hopes and dreams for that defense in Charlie McAvoy to turn around and then trade him makes zero sense to me. Now, is there another possible trade for Jack Eichel? Maybe, but I really don't, you know, obviously Jack Eichel is a really good player. He, he was very successful in college. Everyone thought he was going to be, you know, really good coming into the pros and they weren't completely wrong, but the Sabres are absolutely terrible. So he's kind of stuck in that limbo of being a really good player in a, on a really bad team. But Buffalo's going to want a lot in return for him if, they, if they're going to give him up because this was a guy that they were planning on building their team around. And if they trade him and they give up and they have to end up building a team around someone like Jimmy Vesey, who has not played up to the standards that people thought he would coming out of his drafts class – I, you know, they're going to they're going to want some younger pieces that can be put with VC to continue to build this stuff up. So yeah, I, I don't think that the Bruins have like, I don't think the Bruins should let go the amount of capital that the Sabres are going to want for Jack Eichel as, as amazing as a, of a player Jack Eichel is. And obviously it'd be nice to have more scoring in their offense. I just I don't see the Bruins giving up what it's going to take for him. Yeah, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul because right. you, you took McAvoy off the defense, and now you don't have that leadership of Chara. And I think you end up finding yourself in a, in a tougher spot. You start giving up more goals, and you know what happens when Rask starts getting more shots on him. He right. starts to freak out, and then you get yeah. into the playoffs and you shit your pants. I think you keep the keep it the team the way it is right now. I mean, unless you have any other like small trade ideas that you think that they could pull off, maybe right. try to get another defenseman, maybe, but. It, I think you have a good, solid squad right now. I think you're waiting for the playoffs. I think the fans are going to pump this up a little bit. But I think once the playoffs, that's going to be the real test because you're going to have the fans in the stands. You're going to have a lot of expectations. And you can't – This, if you're a Cassidy, this is your year to kind of, like, prove, like, listen, I've had so many years to get ready for this. Last year was probably the year that I probably should have done it. But because of the pandemic, we're giving you a break. This is going to be the year, I think. You got rid of yeah. Charles. I know, got it, like, older. I think they should have kept him, but whatever. But he thinks this is it. And like you said, yeah. best power play and power play kill. Like, they're stopping it. Yeah. Why aren't, like, this, why not this year? If you lose McAvoy in that defense, everything right. goes into it. chaos. Because right. if you think about it, who else is on your defense right now? You have Kevin Miller, who, you know, is kind of the older, more seasoned guy on the defense, but he's not playing a lot. Then you have Grizzly, right. who's been injured multiple times a season, and as good of a defender he is, isn't doing anything at offense at all. 
And so maybe Brandon Carlo's your guy, but Brandon Carlo's never been the type of guy to have to be the guy. He's always been, you know, perfectly happy playing behind Tory Crew or they were line partners, but you know what I mean? Like ostensibly, like, you know, as a figurehead, he's behind all those guys because he's good at his job, but the leadership, I don't know, is, is there. So if you lose McAvoy, like you said, it, everything's going to go, is going to, Tr- go it's bad, yeah. Going mean, down, right? Rask is not going to be able to stop as many shots as he's as he does without these guys in front of him. It's just, it's just not right. going to happen. So the way I look at this is from a capital standpoint, like you said earlier. To me, you know, you think about what you're getting with Jack Eichel, and this season he's played in 18 games with two goals, 13 assists, a minus seven. But to me, it's what he's done in his career. He's played 372 right. games, zero playoff games with 139 mm-hmm. goals. To me, you need that playoff experience to even consider yeah. pulling the trigger on acquiring something like this or a player like this. And here's right. the other thing, the financial aspect. I, I don't know a lot about you know hockey deals and trading contracts or anything, mm-hmm. but right now Jack Eichel, Jack Eichel has uh, five seasons left on his contract and it's worth about $50 million. So for a right. team that is always right up against it as far as the cap goes. I mean, you'd trade players away to get Jack Eichel, but then you'd have to make other deals to try and make right. it work financially, I think. Well, actually, this season, this, the Bruins aren't as up against the cap as, as they usually are, I think. I'm pretty sure they have. So they would, if they, I'm not saying Jack Eichel, but if they wanted to make a trade, they probably could and do it with a reasonable salary. I mean, and the Jack Eichel trade isn't the only one that's going around. Like last week they were bleacher report had a report out about, you know, the Bruins being a possible landing spot for Sidney Crosby, which was, which is kind of insane to think about because, you know, Bruins fans have, have ingrained in them hating Sidney Crosby for a very long time. And it's hard to imagine him not being on the Penguins. So, but, but it's the same thing with Eichel. It's, it's, are you willing to give up as much as it would, it would take to get someone like that. I think someone to be looking into more into is Taylor Hall, who is a very good player, maybe not as valuable as a Crosby or as an Eichel. And again, on a team that is looking to sell. So that brings up another question here. Who on the Bruins do you view as untouchable? Because again, the trade deadline is eventually coming up here. So Mm -hmm. you have to kind of think about which players you can expend and which players you actually right. want to keep because obviously they're not going to trade a Patrice Bergeron, a Juka mm-hmm. Rask, a Brad Marchand, David right. Pasternak. But, you know, there's been rumors of Jacob Rust being in a yeah. potential trade talks with Vancouver. Is there a player or two besides the core that I just mentioned that you look at and say, these players are untouchable. They can't go anywhere. I, I think, I, I really think McAvoy's got to be untouchable, at least for this yeah. season. I don't know. So, going into the regardless of the trade deadline going into the season we're gonna have to also start thinking about the expansion draft as well with the seattle kraken joining the league and and that's been a a debate i've seen on twitter a lot like what who are these we have a lot of young pretty talented guys on this team and you know it's gonna when it comes down to it it's going to be really hard to decide who's worth protecting and who you let stay up there and you know possibly be taken away from you and the same thing goes with this trade deadline so i think like if you're if we're talking about people to you know good players that could possibly be used as trade jake debrusque jake debrusque is definitely a name that i would i would throw around there you know sean corrales another one 
Brandon Carlo on the defense. Like these are all guys that, you know, it would be tough to see them go, but I think if you're, if you're going to get a piece, that's really going to help this team out when they've been kind of tapped out recently when it comes to the playoffs, like they keep doing really well and then kind of falling short. Like they definitely need something. And, you know, last, last year they traded for Nick Ritchie and, you know, last year that kind of wasn't ended up being a negative influence on the team because he, you know, wasn't playing with any sportsmanship by the end there, but this season he's, you know, been one of your leading goal scorers. So if you can get another piece like that, that's going to score goals for you, that you finally have some a more offensive production that's not on the perfection line, it might be worth giving up some of these kind of, you know, decent players that you've grown fond of. But, you know, at the end of the day, you need something good to get something good. What do you think, Corey? Any untouchable players? Well, I, think you have to, you have, I don't know why McAvoy wouldn't be on there. I mean, your whole yeah. – I think you have to keep this power, you know, power play line together like there shouldn't be yeah. that many guys like i think that's what you need going into the playoffs and that's what's going to help it out i mean i again i'm not a huge hockey guy either but i know a good team when i see it and the games that i have watched that i've had time to watch they just seem to be playing together so well and you have martian yeah. who's just he's just keeping the team together he looks more like a captain than patrice bergeron it does honestly this year i think but I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. We'll see how it goes in the next couple of weeks. I'll be yeah. watching more for sure. Um, it's just tough for me to find time to watch regular season hockey, but mm-hmm. playoff hockey is the best, I think. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So I will say one thing to think about if you're talking about trades, I just uh, searched up the trade deadline. It's April 12th and the regular season ends May 8th. So it's yeah, kind of interesting it's... to see what teams actually want to make available, especially if you're making that playoff push. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of last minute at the deadline deals, not just with the Bruins, but like with the league in general, because they're being given so much time, they're going to be able to see, you know, a lot more realistically where you're at going towards the playoffs before the trade deadline hits. So you can pretty much hold the hold on pulling the trigger as long as exactly, possible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for hockey talk. I'm pretty impressed. We did 17 minutes of hockey talk today. <laughs> I'm spent. I mean, yeah, I hit about three minutes. another water. All right, let's talk about the Boston Celtics. I think we can kind of have a more balanced uh, talk about the Boston Celtics here, oh. as they had a season-saving three-game winning streak, looking for four coming up later tonight against the Toronto Raptors mm-hmm. as they round out the first half of the regular season. Uh, let's talk about the fact of, you know, the Celtics actually turned things around a week after it looks like the bottom was falling out. It looks like the sky was falling. It looks like the season was ending. The Celtics have started to win games, not by a lot of points, but they have started to win games. I think that's a positive, Corey, when we start talking about the growth of the Celtics team. Because let's be honest, this is a team that they may not be championship contenders, but they should be contenders for the Eastern Conference Finals, right? You would you would hope so, but I think they're their own worst enemy. You keep hearing all these things about the locker room with, with Tatum and Brown, they wanted to be the leaders since they got here. They wanted to be the leaders through the Isaiah Thomas crew, through the uh, Kyrie. Kyrie Irving crew, and, and into now. Now it's finally their team. They're kind of in they're, – they're over their rookie years, and now they're into it. And they can't keep control of this team. They can't keep control of the locker room. And I think that that's their own that's, – that's the problem is now you see them on the court – 
everybody wants to be the hero. Everybody wants to be the one to shoot the three, you know, to, to beat the buzzer. Everybody wants the da-da-da-da-da moment. And the problem is they, they don't have that kind of talent. They, well, they do, but they don't know how to use the other guys on the team. And, and that's the most frustrating part because Robin Williams has been having a great couple of games. He should be out there starting. They should keep Robert. him out there. Robert. 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 You do this every week. <laughs> Robin Williams is dead. Robert Williams is on the Celtics. Yes, Robert Williams. He's been having a good couple good couple weeks. And the problem is they need to get get him back out there. He's a great blocker. He's a good he's a good fast-paced team kind of guy cuz he can come up from behind, get some good blocks. He's good at getting re- he's gotten way better at rebounding. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that's they need to get those young guys in there. I'm kind of sick of seeing Ojale and and some of those guys it just seems like they're just out there just kind of taking space and even the younger guys I'm, I'm kind of over them too they need to go out there and make a deal at the trade let deadline and try to get someone in here and try to use that trade that that trade deal that they have you know from charlotte well danny Ainge just said that he wants to wait for the right deal and it may I not know, happen at the trade deadline. we've waited for danny age for the past 10 years since paul pierce and Kevin garnett left to try to find this freaking player that they need. They yeah. haven't found anybody. Danny Ainge is the most delusional piece of shit out there. Seriously. Oh. I've, I've told you before, I've been getting fucked oh, up. I listen to the and Rich. I am so sick of that guy. That guy, are you coming at me, Mary? No, I'm just adjusting myself. Calm oh. down. <laughs> I am so sick of him. And I get it. Like, you can't really get rid of him right now because who, who are you going to get? But he's, he's the rat around the league. Nobody likes him because he's fucked so many teams. He's screwed so many people over with trades. Nobody wants to work with him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know what – I, I get it. Like, Danny Ainge, make a deal. Not going to happen. Brad Stevens, he's another hunky-dory piece of crap. He, I'm so sick. They can't get rid of him either, though. Who are they going to have? There's nobody. There's nobody to control this team. I'm so sick of Brad Stevens, too, and his just humdrum attitude, not getting it. And, and they talk to him on the radio, interview him. And it's like talking to a wet sponge. It just sits there and drips. There's nothing that comes off of it that's useful. It's useless. There's nothing. He's a college basketball coach. Send him back there. Coach Indiana, Coach Duke, North Carolina, go, go someplace. And I, I'm pissed that they didn't get uh, Doc Rivers back. I think he would have been the guy that would have turned this franchise back around. Anyways, that's my little spiel. Is that what I sounded like last week when I had my meltdown? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. No, I'm saying okay. we were, I was hoping this week would be the week that we get some sort of sense out of the Celtics as to like a plan. But if they, they treat it like it's Area 51 over there, that there's no way, no leaks, no nothing. But you know what, John? Listen, there's nothing even in the plant. Like, they're trying to make it like it's like they're in some sort of top secret meeting to get Michael Jordan or, they, or to get LeBron James. They, they're not getting anybody. Trade deadline's going to come and go. Just like Christmas, just like spring, just like summer, just like the seasons. Just like all the seasons that he's had to turn this team around. Yeah, 07 was great because you got handed a flush. Like, of course you were going to win it. Team screwed. It's a shitty town. That's not 
geared towards basketball, shitty weather. It's you're not going to get an all an all pro in here. You're not going to get one of those big guys. It's not going to happen unless they're forced here. So nobody gives a shit about Red Auerbach or the Lucky the Leprechaun or you know Donnie Mose and his raspy voice. Nobody gives a shit about that. So I will so, say, you're never going to see a championship. You might, maybe one day, they might get lucky. Might you're not going to see anything big, you know, in Boston for a long time, because they'll wet their pants as soon as they get into these, even close to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, here's the one thing I'll say with the trade deadline coming up and the uh, exception that you were talking about. Who's out there to actually try and get for the Celtics? I mean, you're hearing names like. Um, you know, Nikola Vucevic, Jeremy Grant, Harrison Barnes. If you trade for these players, it's not going to put you over, no. over the hump to be a championship contender. So to get Barnes, I mean, you have to give up Brown. I don't think you'd have to. I don't know if you'd have to do that because that would be a financial issue as well. So I think Detroit well, wants to try and get up. You're not going to give up. Right. You're not going to give up Tatum. Who are I you going to give up? Picks? Well, you'd have to probably do a combination deal here where you're talking about Marcus Smart, which for the right deal, trade him away. But you have to also try and figure out who you actually can still use because it's not like you just dump a bunch of stuff onto Sacramento and you have Harrison Barnes going for you. You have to try and figure out which players actually work for you, which players can actually be part of the process. And I understand yeah. that you look at the roster and a lot of the players aren't a part of the process, but to me, this all comes down to – and. It goes back to what I said last week, the fact that Tatum and Brown need to be those superstars that they think they are. And here's something interesting here, talking about Jason Tatum. I went through the past five games with him, and it seems like 20 field goal attempts is his imaginary mark, if you will, because against the Clippers, he went 5 of 16 for 14 points to Celtics 1. Brown played in that game. Against the Wizards, he was 12 of 22 with 31 points. The Celtics barely won thanks to Tatum at the buzzer. Brown was out. You go back to look at the game against Dallas. He was 10 to 23. The Celtics lose. To me, this team just had to figure out their place on the floor. And it sounds frustrating because this is year 11 or 12 of the process. I understand that. I'm frustrated too. But this team isn't about giving the ball to the superstar or giving the ball to the all-star and whatever happens, happens. This is a team that is a system-oriented team. It's frustrating. I, I know I'm frustrated by it. Seeing Daniel Tice shooting three-point shots at the top of the key with 15 seconds left on the shot clock, that's maddening to me. To go back to Robert Williams, I don't know if putting him in the starting lineup would be a good thing. The main reason, A, because of his health, he has the hip issue, but B, because the bench needs that, that firepower, if you will. They need that reason to get up off the bench, try and get something going there. And, I mean, if you're having Jeff Teague and Peyton Pritchard throwing – alley passes to Daniel Tice, Tice isn't going to get to the line. Robert Williams, he can go there and he can finish. Do I think Robert Williams should be a starter? Yes, but not right now. He needs to be that person on the bench that kind of is that sneaky snake in the grass, if you will. The problem with that is, I'm so like you said, you're sick of Daniel Tice as well. I think Williams is probably more your future right. than, than Tice. But also, like you said, trying to make those deals, do you really think you're going to get get the guy? Well, I'm not going to name a name because it could be any one of them from Marcus Smart and who? 
and what else? Who else do you put in that package? Like who is Danny? Like when he's on these phone calls and these conference calls with these other teams, who's he putting up? Well, that's the problem. Unfortunately, you can go you know, ahead and say that you're going to give Marcus Smart and Shemi Ojale and Jeff Teague and a Tremont Waters. Unfortunately, I was hanging up on he, you right away. Right. You know, if this was eight years ago with the Brooklyn Nets, maybe you can pull the fleece over, but he's afraid to pull the trigger on big deals. He's afraid to, you know, lose a deal because he always wants to come out with a Brooklyn Nets result. So, you know, that's what we're looking at right now. He's not leaving. He said he's not leaving. Buckle up, Celtics fans. This is the future. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's not the guy. He's not the guy that's going to attract the big-name guy. And like I said, this town sucks in, in terms of NBA views. Well, there's nothing attractive here. The clubs close at one, maybe two, some of them. Right now, they're not even open. It's friggin' 15 degrees out in the middle of January, middle of the season. There's – yeah. There's really nothing to draw people here. They don't give a shit about tradition and history, maybe a couple, but they're all about the here and now. So I I just don't see what you're going to draw here. And even to keep Tatum and Brown here once they they got their first contract, but eventually they're going to get sick of this too. And someone's going to offer them a lot of money. More importantly, there's no halftime pizza to draw anybody in, but we talked about that yeah. last week. Uh, so, Mary, what do you think about the Celtics here? It looks like the Celtics are not the Bruins because the Bruins actually can win a championship. It's just they keep collapsing. The Celtics just collapsed on themselves in the process of getting there. I, you know, I, we, you know, as as uninformed as you are about hockey, as I, I am uninformed. uninformed as basketball, I know that sometimes it's it's more often than not the ball is not going in the net for the Celtics, and that's an issue. Um, I think that what you know one of the reasons that they won their last game was because of the fact that Kemba Walker all of a sudden remembered that he could play basketball and, and made a couple of shots. I the problem with I have with the Celtics is that they keep having these great games, and you know you'll get the ESPN notification like oh. Jason Tatum let this guy up or cardiac is back or whatever, but it's only for one game. And then you have four games where they're terrible. And then you go back to have the one game where they're really good. And it's just, they, they have no consistency in their play at all. And it kind of makes it a bad product. Cause every time you go to watch these games, it's like, am I going to see the good Celtics or am I going to see the bad Celtics? Cause you can't ignite tonight. You have no idea what you're going to get. Like there's no way to predict it. And that's just kind of, frustrating and um, look I'm not going to sit here and pretend I have all the answers like I don't know who the Celtics should trade for I don't know what they should do with Danny Ainge I'm just you know kind of going along for the ride and if they win they win if they don't well they probably won't anyways so that's where I stand with the Celtics so just to get back to what you're talking about with Kemba Walker the one refreshing thing about Kemba Walker is the fact that the Celtics haven't had back-to-backs because don't forget mm-hmm. he can't play in back-to-back because of the uh, right. knee issue and looking forward to the second half of the season the unofficial mm-hmm. second half the Celtics have eight back-to-backs mm-hmm. so that's something to plan on and yeah I mean it's not like the road gets any easier for this team I went through the schedule and if you look at the standings as of March 4th the Celtics mm-hmm. are seven and nine against playoff teams and 11 and eight against non-playoff teams and you think about it what two of those losses are against the Hawks, bottom dwellers in the Eastern Conference? 
mm-hmm. you know, the Celtics just have a difficult time. They play to their competition. Maybe that's a better oh, yeah. way of putting it. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, it's frustrating because the Celtics have only had one winning streak this season of three or more games, and that was January mm-hmm. 3rd to the 15th, and three of those games were postponed because of the uh, COVID outbreak that the Celtics had, and then another team had as well. So yeah. the Celtics going for the first four-game winning streak tonight, which, I mean, after what, 30 games, 40 games just about, you haven't won four games in a row, and you have Tatum and Brown, that's kind of concerning. Yeah. Um, with one game left here, kind of a chance to reassess everything. So as far as the uh, letter grade, what do you get the Boston Celtics uh, just about at the uh, halfway point? I think you have to give them a C, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because they're not that. Like they haven't had more than four wins in a row. They don't seem to be doing anything to be improving. But not to say that they're, they're terrible, but and the leadership is is not great. But they're still winning games. They're still in the in the standings. So you have to give them a C, I think. I I, I mean maybe you could do a B minus if you really want really hmm. want to really want to kiss up to him but I'm, I'm going with a C. I feel like the Celtics are like me in a science class like I'm really trying and I'm doing all my work but I still can't grasp the material so I'm just barely passing I mean I'd probably even go a little lower I'd probably go a C minus because that stretch of games where the Celtics just didn't operate well as a team going back to the New Orleans Dallas Atlanta road trip that was an embarrassment and to me, they can't go back there. And the scary thing is, I feel like they will go back there at some point in the second half of the regular season. Um, ball movement is something that this team needs to work on. Passing the ball a little more, finding the open man. You don't have to go with a chuck and duck. And that has been what the Celtics have done, not just in the first half of this year, but going back to the Kyrie Irving days. It's been have one of your top two or three guys take it, chuck it from three-point land, and you go back the other way. The Celtics have to fight for points, and that's why I've seen the past two or three games. Against the Clippers, that was one of the most entertaining games I saw because through the first half, I think both teams were 55 56% from the field. That was awesome to watch. The ball moving against the Wizards. The Wizards are a team coming up with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. There are a couple games, I think, out of eighth place, but you know, moving the ball against them, trying to get the ball around Robin Lopez. That's how the Celtics win games. That's a ball system. That's an offensive system. That's how the Celtics need to win in the second half of the season. Because it's interesting, if you look at the standings of the Eastern Conference, and I'm going to pull them up here in a second, but to me, I think there's a logjam when you talk about the um, Eastern Conference between the third seed and the uh, tenth seed. So that's something to look at as you go into through the uh, trade deadline here. The Boston Celtics are five and a half games back of first place and you go all the way down to 11th place Atlanta is just two and a half games back of the Celtics so this is going to be a fun second half but this is a second half that the Celtics need to have their mm-hmm. eye on the ball yeah the problem is is then they're going to have to face Toronto in the playoffs and for some miracle they get past Toronto which they could but let's say they do which Western Conference team do they best have a chance against? None of them. <laughs> oh, I think, the Clippers, maybe. I don't know. I mean, the Clippers, they've had their number. The Jazz, I think. No, but I'm talking – no, John, I got it. Yeah, but who – like a realistic 
who's going to be at who's going to be at the club at the end of the night? Who's going to be ready to dance with the Celtics at the championship? If you make it to the finals, stay get past Toronto, which that's probably going to be your your opponent. Oh, right now it'd be the Knicks. Right, I'm saying I think Toronto. That's my pick. Is probably going to be Toronto at the end of the night. Playoff experience. They have some. You have some. <clears throat> you beat Toronto. Who do you see? Probably the Lakers, right? Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, they have no they shot. Have the most. Right. I mean, right. and that's going to be embarrassing. What's more embarrassing, John? Right, losing in the Eastern Conference Finals. Or not even getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, or getting swept by the Lakers. Well, the thing because is, I, they're, they're not getting think, swept. They're not getting swept by the Lakers. They would get swept. They would. I, I with the way that this team's running, the leadership on here, LeBron would laugh, would laugh at this, because he doesn't turn it on until the end of the season. He doesn't turn on the LeBron juice until he needs it. Because let's face it, he probably doesn't have that much left. So he uses it when he needs it. I don't think they have a shot. Tatum and Brown would be yelling at each other. Marcus Smart would be yelling at both of them. It'd be embarrassing. When it gets down, comes down to the playoffs, regular season, whatever. They might have a chance. He doesn't really care. Eh, I lose one to the Celtics on a Thursday night in February. Fine. Look, March, whatever. When it comes down to it, I, I think that would demoralize their growth as a team, getting swept and laughed at by the Lakers, as opposed to just not even making it there and seeing what they can do maybe the next couple of years. I think making it there and getting swept by a team like that and pulls your pants down, and it just it's a, it's a nightmare. It would be a nightmare. Well, I think that's where we're going to differ on that. We can argue about it for hours, but it wouldn't be a sweep. I think the Celtics could give the Lakers a series, but that's another story for another time. All right. um, let's get to the here and now, though, because Jalen Brown getting set to go to Atlanta, and there's been a lot of talk about his uh, left knee tendonitis that he's had because he was actually don't forget his COVID interested. Too. What was that? His COVID. Don't forget his COVID long. That was Jason Tatum, was not Jason Jalen Tatum. Brown. I'm sorry, yeah, Jason Tatum. Yeah, and, and Brown. Yeah, okay. So anyways, um, Jalen Brown, he was rumored to be in the duck dunk contest, but he opted out of that because obviously the knee tendonitis, but he is going to take part in the three-point contest. And he was asked about going to Atlanta for the All-Star game over getting rest, and the dunk contest came into play here. He said, the dunk contest would have been great if I could have done it I don't think my body is agreeing with me right now in terms of that, but that's something I was looking to do, but I don't think it's going to work out that way. I don't think my body is agreeing with me right now in terms of that, but that's something I was looking to do, but I don't think it's going to work out that way. My eyes are down the stretch and getting 100% healthy, which I haven't been for a while. Trying to continue to get better, so when it comes to time for my team to need me, I'm there in 100%. Um, copy, and paste, copy and paste that those last four sentences and that's your answer i don't know if my body's agreeing with me i might keeping my eyes down the road i want to be a hundred percent why are you down there in a uniform and not a suit yeah i get it if you want to go down there and sit in some covid luxury box and 
sit in a fancy suit and clap for people that you know and maybe try to wheel and deal talking about people coming to Boston, fine, whatever. I'm, I'm fine. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me in any way. But if you plan on doing anything in the playoffs or anything further, I think you need to rest this knee. Because you already got one bum knee on this team, and I mixed them up, but you already got COVID lung with Tatum. What, like, you know what I mean? Where, where do you plan on being? Because if you screw this up in this game, granted, you're probably only going to get seven to ten minutes of playing time anyways. A lot can happen in that time, especially doing the three-point contest, warming up for that. And they don't do a lot of stretching, so you're putting a lot of pressure on your knees. Coming from someone with terrible knees, it, it, I, 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 you know what? Just sit down and just enjoy it. Why do you have to go play? I think what, what Jalen Brown seems to not be understanding is the fact that his team needs him currently. Like, this isn't, this isn't a question of down the stretch my team's going to need me. This, this is... Right now, my team is failing, and I, as one of the best players on the team, need to be able to compete at a good level to help them. Because there is no down the stretch if he injures himself at the All-Star game and then can't play for the next three weeks after after it, it, it happens. Like, I, for these kids seem to think that the playoffs are a foregone conclusion for them. They're not. They could easily keep losing and not end up in the playoffs at all. So I don't understand why, you know, even after how terrible they've been playing the last couple of weeks, Jalen Brown's like, oh, don't worry, by the playoffs, I'll be fine again. Well, tell me when you're going to, what is changing that's going to make you a playoff team? And then maybe I'll think about what you're saying. So here's the here's the thing you have to think about here. It's the relationship between the players and the team. If the Celtics brass comes down and tells Jalen Brown, don't go to Atlanta, that's going to ruffle some feathers on not just Jalen Brown's end, but the players' end. So that's something to think about. And the one thing that actually does kind of work out, I don't agree with him going to the All-Star game. That's another story for another time. The one thing that works out is the fact that everything is on one night. They're traveling to Atlanta the day of the game. They're traveling from Atlanta the day of the game. So it's not like a typical All-Star game where you're there for a week and you have the All-Star practice, then the Saturday night, and then the All-Star game. Everything's condensed into one night. And Brad Stevens has said that this is actually something that may work a little bit for Jalen Brown. It kind of gives him that time that maybe he would have been at practice and getting the knee going because with tendonitis, I mean, luckily I have okay knees, but I don't have tendonitis, so I can't really attest to this. But I feel like if you have Jalen Brown sit for a week without any real activity, then you could be opening yourself up for issues. Understandably, I know that going to Atlanta, you're opening up, you're you're opening yourself up for issues as well. But it's kind of one of those risk reward things that kind of has a slight edge to the risk, in my mind. So. Coming from someone that has tendonitis in my knees and in my shoulder and my back with arthritis, you need to be able to like rest in between. And that's why I get the whole, you know, given maybe a night off here and there, especially with, um, slipped out of my mind from the Celtics. Um, Kemba? Kemba? Kemba Walker, yeah, sorry. I could think of I could think of the yeah, brain brain injuries as well. 
with Kemba Walker with those, and people are saying, oh, you hear it all the time on this radio, well, I wake up every morning and go to work with bad knees, blah, blah, blah. You probably do. And you know what? You might have a pretty demanding job, but you're also not worth, you know, $30 million and you, in a franchise needs you to, to go out there and play at a competitive level. Mm-hmm. If your knees bother you at work, you sit down and you have a Dunkin's coffee. You know, cause you work because you're a union iron worker in Boston and you, you just didn't take care of yourself. And that's the problem with these guys. We need to take care of them. And you need to do stretches. You need to ride the bike. You need to get the fluids moving in your knees. Physical therapy, do it all the time. You need it because if you don't do that, if you don't work it, like it rusts, it, it, it's going to lock up and that's the problem. So that way, maybe going to the game, maybe just getting a good run in there, maybe getting a couple of minutes won't be that bad. But there's still a chance with a knee going out at any time because he has a pre-existing injury. But if you don't use it, you lose it. So that's the thing he's going to have to deal with the rest of his career. If he doesn't use his knee, it's going to get worse. His meniscus, meniscus is going to tighten up, and it's going to feel like you're pretty much running with, like, four braces on your knee and you can't bend it. It sucks. So he does need to keep using it, but I think putting, having him go down there, I think that you're putting yourself at a huge risk. And he knows that, and the team knows that. And that's what bothered me when you said, like, oh, if the brass tells him not to go down there, yeah, he's a grown man, but also I've invested this money in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you need to listen to me somewhat. Right. That's like an investor. Like, I get it. Like, I, you know, you can't tell a grown man what to do. Well, when I've invested 30, 40, 50 million dollars in you, maybe not just your contract, but everything else that goes along with it, I do have a say in it. And that's where I think the ownership and coach has to step up and say, listen, Jalen, got it. But we're also, <laughs> we're your bosses and you need, everyone has a boss. Someone has to answer to them. Yeah. I'm right, so anti that- all-star game this year anyways, but yeah, I think it, I, I don't agree with them going. Why anti all-star games? Well, just this, no, no, I'm not all, I'm not anti all-star game. I'm just anti all-star game this season because I think until well, all yeah, because I, I, I think it's a, it's a dumb decision to have during a pandemic, all of your most valuable players in one place where they can expose, expose each other to this virus like what does the landscape of the league look two weeks later after this this um all-star game if one of these players gets covid and then spreads it to everyone else now you're talking about lebron not playing katie not playing Kyrie not playing jason tatum not playing james harden not playing steph curry not playing like what is it what is the nba without those people so if if they end up going down there and getting sick and spreading it to all these people because you know that regardless of regulations they're all going to want to hang out and talk to each other and collude and whatever else they do in the all-star games like i just think it's a terrible idea to do it this year i really do and this is after a broken promise because i think the league said that if you guys come back, we're not going to have an all-star game. Right, so, right, yeah. I mean, the league, I think, is rolling the dice, and I don't think there should be an all-star game this year, but all-star game Sunday night, 8 o'clock, you can watch that on TV. You know what they should do? This is what they usually do. You have an all-star game. They pick the team. You get the bonus or whatever if you did make the team. 
And then you have some nerd play on 2K. Right. Oh, yeah. Game. That's exactly what should have happened. happened. Yeah. If you have 2K or whatever, have a special, you know, on PlayStation or Xbox that you can play the All-Star game with those players. Yeah. And just whatever. And, and broadcast some of it. Some of that's really good. That was um, during the pandemic, and it was actually interesting listening to the players track. Yeah, I, didn't each other. Catch, I didn't get to catch that, John, but I heard it was pretty good. I mean, if you had time to kill with zero sports on watching video game sports, pretty good. Yeah, uh, really bad. But you want to know something that's kind of weird? So when I was in Japan, went to it. While the pandemic was going on, they still had baseball with full stands. And I went to a couple of games. Pretty cool. That's a nice transition because now we're going to talk about baseball with after 10 years, we're doing something right here. Uh, yeah. The Red Sox started spring training, uh, playing games over the past week. They are two and two. Um, I mean, I can't name half the roster. They, Mary, you're the Red Sox have fan played, here. Have they played BC yet? No, they have not. Those games I don't didn't happen. They're, they're not doing or, that. Or Wheaton College. Yeah, it's usually Northeastern, I think, that they play, right? Yeah, those games got canceled, obviously, because of the pandemic. And they did they, they did play Sweet Caroline, so there is a silver lining with all of this. <laughs> oh, thank God. Uh, but, it's not about Caroline Kennedy losing to your Virginia. Oh, that's okay. Nice. Well, that's the true fact, John. We, we go from that fun fact to uh, <laughs> a new story here. Is Jackie Bradley Jr. signed a two-year, $24 million deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. Bye. So the, all the gifs <laughs> and all the pictures of Ben Attendi, Betts, and Bradley dancing in the yeah. outfield, those can go to well, I hope he likes White. Yeah, I hope he likes the slide. He can slide think, into the outfield every year. I think I think Milwaukee's the best place for Jackie Bradley Jr. because he can never hit and no one will ever care because no one is a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers. No, everyone's just drinking Miller Light and Sitting back, waiting for football season. Yeah, it, it's it's they're like this will entertain me until the the Packers figure out what the they're going to do. Packers start throwing the ball around. Yeah, it's it's you know last year the the Brewers signed Brock Holt and ended up cutting him and you know I don't think Brock Holt much enjoyed his time there except for this time on the slide as Corey said. No. I think the Brewers are grossly overpaying for Jackie Bradley Jr. Two years at twenty four million dollars is excessive for a guy that doesn't can't hit a baseball like yeah I, i'll i'll sit here all day and listen to people defend how great of a defenseman is always oh, the best center fielder in the game congrats i don't know if you know this but you need both offense and defense it to win a baseball game and if i wanted someone that can just be a de- defensive player i'll spend my money on a good pitcher finally i don't i, I he can't hit for shit so i Good luck to him in Milwaukee. I'm not sad to see him go. There is an opt-out after the first year for Bradley, but to me, this comes down to the Red Sox. Really, you can't even get Jackie Bradley Jr. to come back here. You don't can't want get him. The, I mean, fine, you don't want him. But... <laughs> well, you can't find some little leaguer to come up and hit for, for 125? <laughs> I mean, I'll, John, John, you could hit better than Jackie Bradley Jr. I would, I wouldn't. I don't know about that, but no, that's not happening. But to me, I mean, at least give something defensively because right now in the outfield, I mean, really, right now for the baseball team, what do you have? And I'm not saying that Jackie Bradley Jr. would have been the player that put you over the hump, but when you can't even sign Jackie Bradley Jr., or when you're at the point where you don't even want Jackie Bradley Jr., and you're opting for an outfield of 
Franchi Cordero, Alex Verdugo, and Hunter Renfro. What's that saying about how this team is going to look this year? Because I understand that there's not championship aspirations, but I mean, this is putting Alex Cora in a real bind here because now Cora has to figure out where to put all these, you know, utility tool players and who fits best where for a daytime game. And to me, you kind of need at least a couple of defensive players out there. You have Xander Bogarts, I understand, but I think if you have Jackie Bradley, it doesn't help you offensively, but it does help you defensively. Mm -hmm. And having him in the outfield with uh, Verdugo in right field, I think that could have saved a few runs. Uh, but John, about center field like Boston. John, do you have the? I I I sorry, I'm kind of. Do you have the contract up right now? For who? For JB Bradley Jr. Jackie Bradley. Read, read, read it out, and and then we'll we'll discuss something. Because I think if you were willing to pay a utility outfielder this kind of money, yeah, that's not going to hit. You can't right. even have him pinch hit. You can have him run. He's a good runner, but like, did you find it? I, I did. He's due thirteen million dollars this year and eleven next year, but he can opt out after this year, which he'll probably get cut anyway. So for all right. we for all we know, the the Celtics, the Red Sox did offer him a contract, and JBJ thinks he's God's gift to the Green Monster, thinks that he deserves more, and holds out till he gets a good offer. If the Red Sox had paid Jackie Bradley Jr. this amount of money, I would have, I would have screamed. Like <laughs> he does not deserve this kind of contract. Like, and they were saying it this morning on, on I think it was Zolak and Bertrand, like, if your kid's playing a sport, make sure they're playing baseball because they are going to pay you crazy amounts of money to sit there in the outfield and wait for a ball to be hit to you. Like, it, it's it's insane the amount of money that baseball players get paid. Oh, and God, most of them don't deserve the money they're getting. I can name, I can name like, on one hand, players that actually have contracts that they deserve. Right off the bat, I can think of Fernando Tatis, but I mean. oh, 100% he does. Mookie Betts, I think he deserves his contract. Uh, T Mike Trout deserves his contract. Well, okay, Gareth Harbour yeah. does not deserve his contract, he's terrible. Gareth I, Cole, maybe. No, I, you know, I don't think so because he, I last year was a weird year to actually discuss decide whether or not people were good because of the circumstances but i don't think he had as good of a year as everyone expected to him him to have for the yankees you know maybe trevor bauer we'll see how how he continues well, to to work but you know i don't know where the dodgers get the amount of money that they have to pay all these people but they are doing it you you bring up a quick a tiny little gripe of mine mary Oh, God, here we go. Just a tiny gripe. This could be good. Maybe Drew, right? Did you hear what he said this week about how he had a terrible year last year, but he wasn't getting ready because of the pandemic. Wait, I'm sorry. Did you say J.D. Drew? You mean J.D. Martinez? J.D. Martinez, sorry. Okay, I was going to say, J.D. Drew has been gone for a long time. J.D. Drew is the weakest athlete to ever exist in the world. I'll agree with He'd be out for four weeks of a hangnail. Anyways, JD Martinez. Yeah. Says he's not. He, he wasn't getting ready. Didn't really know what was going to happen. Yeah. With the whole pandemic and everything. Then they ended up playing and sucked. Right. How are you making the kind of money that JD Martinez is making, 
and you're not in some batting cage. I get it. It's not maybe not Jack, maybe not in the in the states. Maybe it's down in in the island somewhere. But how are you not hitting and and taking fly balls, working out and getting yourself ready? You're a freaking know. professional athlete. I don't get that excuse pissed me off so much like because everyone else every other schmuck in this world has to work 40 80 90 hours a week to make ends meet this asshole has to go hit baseballs and shag fly balls that was my summers as a kid how are you saying you're depressed and i don't know if this is going to happen and i didn't know what to do so i just didn't bullshit Bullshit. You better have a fucking all-star season this season and go out there and that, that's bullshit. I don't know. That, that pissed me off. That's my little gripe. Back to you. <laughs> I feel like this is Peter Griffin, what grinds my gears. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> We're not going to start doing that. No. Uh, but just an interesting fact here, I looked at the uh, payroll here, and if my math is right, the Red Sox are about $54 million under uh, – under the salary cap, so that's crazy, isn't it? Ima- imagine, imagine. Tampa Bay would kill for that roster. La- last that payroll. Last, they might year, for it. last year, we were crying because we were afraid of going over the over the cap, and we had to get rid of our best player. And now we're fifty-four million dollars underneath it, with no signs of them trying to get anyone. Why are we worried about it? I'm not know. paying. I'm not paying the freaking luxury tax. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I let people like, oh, Jesus, the salary cap. And like, they're freaking out. Like, their bills. Like, they're not going to be able to buy right, bread yeah. for their family. Oh, okay. suck. Jesus, the Red Sox. Oh, God. Close. <laughs> Corey, Corey, Corey. We're Henry. doing a sports podcast. We're not going <laughs> to sit here and talk about whether or not you can afford bread. We're going to sit here and talk about sports, right? Right. But no, I'm talking about the average fans, but when they talk to, you know, you know, 98.5 or whatever, they're, they're all, oh, she's the cat, the cap, the cap. Oh, my God. So who gives a shit? It's not your money. Who cares? Let John Henry pay it. That fruity, soccer-loving freak. Let okay. him do it. Oh, well, righty then. We go from that to, well, this is a good way to end the show. Yeah. Uh, UFOs. I was uh, going. Oh, through... were you actually talking about this? I, mean, I thought this was an joke. athlete. Uh, sh- sure, I just. Mary's okay. letting her hair down for this one. Yeah. Uh, so Baker Mayfield apparently saw a UFO. He tweeted this out last night, uh, reading from his Twitter. Almost a hundred percent. M and I just saw a UFO drop straight out of the sky on our way home from dinner. We stopped, looked at each other, and asked if either of us saw it. Very bright ball of light going straight down out of the sky towards Lake Travis. Don't know where that is. Anybody else witness this? Now, I will say, I think it was actually, I think it was New Mexico or California. There was actually an, a pilot who said that there was an object in the sky that they couldn't identify. Lake Travis is in Texas. Okay. And so, then I mean, you're going through the southeast sky, belt. And I was loved by it. I, I mean, maybe that maybe oh, we're getting God. more and more truth here. We're putting rovers on Mars. Oh, the love. I, I'm so I. Uh, maybe I don't like a rover exchange program. I'm. You know, I wouldn't necessarily call myself a skeptic, 
but I couldn't care less if there's aliens or not. As long as they're not doing anything, who the hell cares? So yeah, sure, UFOs, whatever. Well, if you, you got a mix. You could either go with an alien like Men in Black have, or you can go with an alien like Independence Day to try and end the world. I've never seen Independence Day. I'll go with the ET type. I don't I like, yeah. No, yeah, I'm going to go with ET. I don't need no big threatening motherfuckers coming around. <laughs> Give me ET. That's who I want. John, I know you're gonna you're gonna be mad at me again for saying this, but I still haven't seen Independence Day. Oh. I have all the movies I've never seen, and right. I thought we were gonna make a game out of this. No, I, John, John's we, a terrible John, movie, John, movie watcher. We were gonna make a game out of this. Do you remember what happened? A pandemic hit. Like we, no, this I was, thought this was one of those games that we were gonna do during the pandemic. Yeah, but Mary, listen, you don't have to be with people to watch movies. Like we can. I, understand, we can, I know, but what's the what is my favorite thing them. my favorite thing about watching movies with people is watching them watch movies that's kind of creepy you're no like but it's great like movies. if you're watching if you're watching your favorite movies with people that have never seen it before you want to know what their reactions are oh that's a lot of pressure on the person watching like, the movie I, because if you hate me, it then you're gonna get grilled me and my best friend just watched the Harry Potter together recently. She had never seen the last one. We were watching it together. I spent the entire time staring at her. That's not creepy. Like, oh, how creepy. she reacted to it. Sure, maybe, but that's what I like to do with movies. Be creepy. That's what I mean, John. What what was it? Your twenty ninth or thirtieth birthday? I can't remember now. Thirtieth. We watched, we watched Spaceballs, <laughs> and I was just I, be, between like us just kind of like quoting Come the movie. Right. I was like, is he finding this funny? Does, is he is he enjoying this movie? Because is he like Rick, Rick Moranis with the big Darth Vader hat? <laughs> it was a good movie. I I, I did mean, like the iconic scene of them combing the desert. Oh, <laughs> great times! Does it, Mel it's Brooks. Such Mel, a if anything, we should have a Mel Brooks night. They yeah. just oh, watch yeah. all these movies. History of young the world. Frank, young yeah. Young Frankenstein. Blazing Saddles, you can't yeah. even say that now. We're probably going to get canceled the same. Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs, uh, um, Spaceballs, History of the World is my like one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah, all right. Well, that's a nice rundown of movies that we've seen and haven't seen. So, thanks once for upon listening. A, once upon a time, me and John actually did a pop culture segment on this podcast, and then it just kind of stopped. I don't know when it stopped, but it did stop at some point. I mean, I'm you got something. If you got something pop culture appropriate for a podcast, you know, let's do You're it. Give me a pop culture t- topic right now. Well, so so right before the pandemic started, I tried to get John to watch Parks and Recreation. I don't think I still don't think he's finished it. Have you? I've, seen- I've tried. I've tried Parks and Rec a couple times. It's okay. I just don't get into it like I did with The Office. Well, that's fair. Uh, the reason why I wanted to, John to watch Parks and Recreation is because it's. Bridgewater. Bridgewater is the exact same as Pawnee. Insane town council meetings, crazy cable access people. Like it, it, it has it all. I mean, that they sounds like us that. to a T. John is John is proud happily. Speaking of speaking of money and like town council and everything, oh how's Jeff doing? <laughs> all right. Well, let's end the podcast before we start having. <laughs> Before we start I'm talking about me. other friends and co-workers, we're just going right, to end the yeah. program here. So, yeah. Corey no, I'm not sure. how, how is everybody doing? Because I mean, we're, we're alive. All, we're all alive, yeah. We're fine and dandy. 
Great. All right. Well, that's the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Well, if you're out there, I hope you're all right. 